there was other moments in the church service where I would just be so uncomfortable on the inside. And I would, I would have this sense of feeling like something's not right. But I thought, because again, I was under that mindset, I thought it was a devil. I thought it was a devil trying to block me, the devil trying to hinder me. I thought I had a devil inside of me because part of me was saying, how can I be upset about what's happening? This is God. But inside I was in in total turmoil. So, you know, again, we don't get the impression that we can think for ourselves. We don't get the impression that we can ask questions. Thinking for yourself is good. Yet for some reason, it seems like we're indoctrined to do the exact opposite. This week, we're talking with Kyle Butler, who explains to us exactly why that is. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert. A safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to the Reckless Pursuit. I'm Elaine. And I'm Cody. And you are listening to episode 102. This week we're talking with Kyle Butler. Kyle is an amazing guy that honestly I don't even remember how we met online, but hey, it doesn't matter. Kyle has an entire life motto. I'm, Kyle, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm giving you this life motto. Kyle says something all the time that gets us thinking, and that's the whole point, because he says thinking is good. This seems to be something lacking a whole lot in modern Christianity, churchianity, religiosity, Christianese. all of this. <laughs> So we're just going to dive into what it means to think for yourself, to think about why we believe what we believe. And I just absolutely love this conversation because it's the epitome of why we do what we do here at The Reckless Pursuit. Before we hop into that episode real quick, if you haven't done so, so far, head over to Nomads. Nomads is our Facebook community group where we give all of you wonderful people a safe place to ask unsafe questions. It is the powerhouse behind this show, and even more so now that we're in the hundreds, we're shifting focus even more to this group. So if you want to be a part of the conversation, get highlights before stuff happens, be able to ask questions and influence the direction of this show, head down to the show notes click that link and ask to be a part. Also, if you're enjoying the show, maybe this is your first show. If you start to enjoy the show, do us a favor, take a screenshot, head over to your favorite social media, share it there and be sure to tag us and Kyle. You can get links to all of our social bios and his in the show notes below. And lastly, if you haven't done so, so far, go down there and click that review button and leave an honest review. It helps us to uh, help others as they pass by to see what this show's actually all about. So let's get right to today's conversation with Kyle Butler. All right, everyone, we are here with Kyle Butler, who has become one of our absolute favorite mm-hmm. people yep, on the absolutely. internet. And so uh, I am super excited to be able to have this conversation right now. It's something Elaine and I have been thinking about mm-hmm. for a long time now, like months upon months yeah. now, since we pretty much found, somehow found, I don't know how we like came to know each other on the internet, but hey, we're here now. And so Kyle, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing really great. And you know, I feel the same way about you two. Uh, I think anytime you, you you find someone 
on, on the internet, social media, what have you, and you, 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 you immediately resonate with the message. And I felt the same way as soon as I read one of your first few posts and, and I thought, yeah, th- these are, these are cool people. I need to, I need to rock with them. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're getting to do so today. Yes. So let's just open this up. Give me the uh, the down and dirty version of who you are and why on earth you do what you do and what you do. So I'm a whole Pentecostal holiness boy. Um, that's where I came from. That's where I started. I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness church where the word holiness was emphasized and it was solely emphasized from the perspective of you've got to become holy. And here's a list of things you cannot do because it will validate your holiness. And here's the list of things you can do that will make you holy. And it was a really short list. It was just go to church and read your Bible. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of where I came from. And, um, you know, I started in ministry at a very early age. Uh, my first sermon, so to speak, sermonette, whatever you want to call it, was I was 13. I was full-blown pledged into ministry by the time I was 20 ordained at 21, pastoring at 26, and, um, you know, just kind of went through this whole roller coaster thinking that path, the track that I'm on, man, I'm, I'm going to be the next mega pastor in the next four or five years. Um, that didn't happen. And maybe, you know, throughout some of the things I'll say today, I'm glad it didn't happen that way. So that's kind of a little bit of my history and kind of how I got here. And um, there was, there was, a metamorphosis, so to speak, that started back and that started happening within me in, at about 2000, in about 2008. And it really set me on a whole different pathway and a whole different course to where I am right now. So we'll probably, you know, share a little bit about that as well. Sure. And I was going to say, like, kind of what was that process that kind of yeah, how got you out of that? that? Uh, yeah, because like to go from I'm going to be the next mega pastor to uh, I guess your message now is a little is a little different. So I, I'd love yeah. to hear what kind of brought you there. <laughs> yeah, um, it was 2007 where it kind of kicked off, but it really didn't start taking form until 2008. And out of a moment of incredible panic and fear. Like I had always done when, when I saw a problem about to arise, I went in my normal mode of reaching out to God. God, what are you going to do? God, you can't let this happen to me. God, I can't take another one of these moments in my life. And I heard something that I, I you know, it, when I heard it, it, it was instinctive to me. I knew that it's what I needed to do. And what I heard was you have to find the right seed for the need. Now at the time, all I can think about is, okay, I got to find a scripture. I got to find a scripture that's going to that's gonna talk about this matter and it's going to help me. It's going to get me out of this mess. And it appeared to do just that. Um, but that, that, when I look back on it now, I realized that that was the baby step I needed to get to where I am, you know? Um, and then in 2008, the latter part of 2008, as I've already, you know, begin to deconstruct my faith at that time, because the best my faith was, hey, let me work, let me strive, let me do, you know, let me do it really hard and really well. And maybe God will look upon it and say, okay, son, this is really good. Now I'm going to help you because of it. So by the end of 2008, uh, I'm, you know, because when you, when you start getting into faith that way and the word of faith that way, grace kind of starts to emerge a little bit as well. Because, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to do something to get into this grace. You know, we're saved by grace through faith. So you're thinking, okay, if I get my faith right, then it'll bring me into the grace. And then, oh boy, everything will be okay. 
Well, as I started to get into a, a better understanding of faith, one day I heard this something, and this is what really changed it all. And it was, son, you have no idea how big my grace is. And when I heard that, I was now I was curious. And I was pretty much taught for the most part, when God tells you something, you don't say anything. You, you, don't, you, you just take it and you don't say anything. You just, just shut up, just listen. But I was, I was too curious by that statement not to say anything. So I thought the only thing I could say to be safe was, show me, because maybe you're right. Because at that time, all I knew was my grace is sufficient for you. Now, growing up in the cause of holiness, whenever that message was preached, and then I later preached it was, you go through whatever you got to go through. You suffer through whatever you got to suffer through, but God will sprinkle you with a little bit of grace so you can keep suffering until one day it changes. And if it never changes, just keep suffering. <laughs> All in the name of the Lord. And to me, that message never made me feel good. And I was always curious as to why Paul would say, most gladly then. Like, what's wrong with that dude? Like, I'm like, God, take the crap away. Like, I don't want to deal with it. I'm not saying most gladly. I still got to deal with it. But that's all I understood. So that was absolutely right. I had no idea how big grace really is. And when I said show me, well, that's exactly what started happening. That's interesting. I love uh, just that whole analogy because something that I feel like I went through not too long ago was uh, was kind of similar, I guess, in the whole idea of like, what does it mean? Like you see all these like, oh, I'm going to suffer for Christ. And we get this martyr mentality of like, I've just, if something bad's not happening, I must not be pissing the devil off enough. Right. Like I must be, I'm lukewarm in my faith because, and I mean, like, I almost feel like I was taught that if not like directly, even passively because like, oh, well, I'm not under spiritual, like air quotes here attack. So I must be like lukewarm in my faith. And like, I'm like, well, maybe wait. And I was kind of like, and this is like recently. And I'm like, I've been having this conversation for years now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, even recently, I'm like, man, why do I beat myself up when things are going good? Like I'm like some kind of spiritual, like like lackey or something like what is going well, on and in my I've, head i've definitely heard and still see people on facebook who say if you're not being attacked by satan you're not doing something right and like just that mentality of like i have to be doing something or something has to be happening or i'm not in god's will but that's well, not and to play to that even more so and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this and then we can kind of get into what we're actually talking about today right <laughs> but like i love where we're going with this already the whole idea of Satan, when you start studying it, is a mindset. Like Satan himself, the idea of like this big bad thing, like the whole get behind me Satan when, you know, Jesus is talking to Peter, it's a, it's a mindset against God. And so by adopting a mindset of I'm spiritually weak because I'm not under attack, that's actually satanic in essence, right? And so I don't know, I just, I love what you were saying there. I would love to elaborate on that a little bit more if you don't mind. Yeah, again, growing up in that environment, you know, everybody was always under attack. Uh, everything was a crisis. Everything was spiritual warfare. I, I, my church services growing up, and even as a young adult, was conducted this way. If we came into the service, and, and our praise and worship at that time was called devotion service. So, you know, someone get up, a couple of people get up and start singing songs. And this, this time of devotion was really a, a cry to, hey, we got to get the spirit to fall. Now, for us, the only way the spirit fell was if someone started shouting, not, ah, but shouting in the dance. You know, we called that shouting. That was a sign that God was now in the building. 
if the devotion time went by and no one danced, and then testimony service would happen, and if no one danced by way of a, through a testimony, then the choir would sing, and if no one danced, if there had been no breakthrough in dancing, shouting, the erratic move of what we thought was the Spirit of God, the pastor would get up, and he was an older guy. We had tremendous love and respect for him, so I'm not saying anything to make him look or sound bad. He would get up and say, the devil has his service bound. We got to loose this thing. And he would start to radically speak in tongues until it caught on. And then somebody else would catch it and someone else would catch it. And then all of a sudden, here's the dance. And then we all felt this sigh relief, like, okay, God is here. you know. And every week it was this classic tug and war battle. Is God going to show up or is the devil going to prevail? And we can't let the devil prevail because this is not what we do. It's interesting. And um, so you grew up in that mindset. So you, you, you think right away, there's this cosmic good and cosmic evil. But it seemed like the cosmic evil, the Satan, the devil was always winning, busier than God, more active than God, more quick to get on the scene than God. You know, the service was bound from the beginning. Where was God? Why was he waiting? Right. <laughs> you know, oh, that's good. All this that's time to show up. Why did we have to travail through a whole service for him to finally show up? And we didn't realize, I didn't know this till years later, we didn't realize that we had created this mindset that if someone didn't want to lift their hands or dance or shout, it was okay. It wasn't the devil. We created that mindset. We created this atmosphere and we lived it out week after week after week until we started waking up a little bit. An amazing thing happened. When we stopped trying to chase out the devil from the service, the devil wasn't in the service anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. It's like it's a like, like, manifestation. It's, <laughs> that's that's amazing. That kind of ties into exactly like what we love so much, and that is your tagline. Thinking is good. Yeah. I'm calling it your tagline. Is that yeah. your tagline? I don't know. I'm calling it a yeah. tagline. It's your yeah. phrase you like to use a lot. It's caught on too. It's catching so. on. That's your that's uh, that's what we're coining it as. So. Yeah. Uh, what kind of brought up or what uh, what about thinking is good, Kyle? Why should we think? <laughs> well, we're, we're not taught to think mm-hmm. in yeah. church, right? Yeah. And, and, and again, not to slight anyone or, or to bash the uh, institution we call church, but we're not taught to think. What do we do? We go to church on Sunday. We participate in worship. And then someone will stand in front of us and talk. And the perception is, I've been there, so I know. The perception is, I have the word of God. I've been with God. God has spoken to me. He, has, he hasn't spoken to you yet because I haven't told you, but I've been with God. He's spoken to me and I'm going to tell you what God says. And even though it's not necessarily said verbally, in some cases it is probably, but the, the, the indication is or the impression is you don't question what I'm about to tell you because, to, to, because to question me is to question God and you can't do that. So you take what you hear. And I remember as a young minister coming up in church, there was things that were happening, like those you know, moments of waiting for God to break through. There was other moments in the church service where I would just be so uncomfortable on the inside. And I would, I would have this sense of feeling like something's not right. But I thought, because again, I was under that mindset, I thought it was a devil. I thought it was a devil trying to block me, the devil trying to hinder me. I thought I had a devil inside of me because part of me was saying, how can I be upset about what's happening? This is God. But inside, I was in, ter- in total turmoil. So, you know, again, we don't get the impression that we can think. 
for ourselves. We don't get the impression that we can ask questions. But when you start to pay attention, and I call it the burning bush, you and I may never see a physical burning bush. Chances of that is probably a billion to a to you know <laughs> yeah. the trillion or some yeah. crazy number yeah. to to one. I mean that, that probably will never happen because one, the bush would have to keep burning, and by the time someone sees it burn, they're gonna try to put it out. And if they can't put it out, then the news the news is gonna come and say, why can't this? Yeah. So it, the chance of that happening is, is probably never gonna happen to us in a literal sense. But there is a burning bush burning inside of us. And that bush, it's the truth. That, that bush is an uneasy feeling of, I've got to kind of step away from all of this stuff. It looks pretty. It, it sounds good. And, and, and it tickles me perhaps. But I've got, to, I've got to turn within. Because within is where the questions are. You know, you've been there, right? You hear something, you say, that doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. And then you start thinking about why it doesn't make sense. And you, you come up with all of these different scenarios why it doesn't make sense. And then you start thinking, well, I must be wrong. I must be, I must be deceived. I must be delusional. But then you hold on to it and you just keep thinking. And eventually you'll think your way out of the mental co- constructs that you've built through the religious influences that you've had. And it's not all at once. Like you don't wake up one day, say, oh, yeah, I don't believe in this, there's a devil. You actually have to start thinking about this concept, right? You have to think about why would God create a devil if he knew that this devil, a physical being, was going to create so much havoc? I mean, from the jump, if I know, guess what I do? I don't create it, you know? So it doesn't make sense anymore. And then, like, you think, okay, well, if you did create the devil and if he really did, you know, you went to sleep and, and then while you were asleep, he started this riot and and, and whatever, why kick him down here to earth? Now, you knew you were going to put us here. You, didn't, you couldn't send the devil any other place. I mean, you couldn't just put him in, in, in storage somewhere in heaven or, or send him to some darkness somewhere where he can't have any human contact. You send him to earth amongst what you say is your most precious prized creation. That doesn't make any sense. You know, and then you just start thinking and thinking and thinking. And then you come to the conclusion that, wait a minute, maybe what I thought isn't right. And then that's when the answers really start to come because you run into people like you and you run into other people that are, that are posting things they've discovered because they actually studied some things through. And then they start, you start reading this information that to a Jewish person, they didn't believe in a physical being called Satan or the devil. They knew this to be an accusatory mindset. They understood this to be an accusation, as you said, Cody, against God. They understood this. And they didn't walk around looking around their shoulders or over their shoulders or behind every door for a physical devil, you know? And then you start hearing that and you say, ah, so now your, your thinking that you've done now is validated. And I'm sorry, I'm talking probably way too much. No, no, you're good. no I love all of it. I have like a million thoughts. You this know? is why we wanted to have you on. <laughs> but like, you know, I was, I'm reading through the, or I just finished reading through the book of Enoch because like it has so much influence over a lot of New Testament. Like, you know, it's, it's not technically canonized, but it has a ton of influence. And it talks about all these like leagues of angels. And whenever it comes to talk about Satan, it actually says Satins. It's plural. And in parentheses, like it, the literal interpretation is mindsets, these binding mindsets. So this is like common Jewish knowledge. It's just something we in our we have to have an enemy, right? It's the it's the Wild West. We got to have someone to go like, 
mow down, like tear up, like we're war based. Like we've got to have something we can beat up and headlock and put into submission, right? That's our mindset. That's what we're raised is like Uncle Sam wants you. We've got to go to war. We've got to pick up our, <laughs> our Bible like a sword and go beat the crap out of some like spiritual, you know, demons and all this. And like we have this, if there's not an enemy, then what are we fighting? Kind yeah. of like, and that kind of comes to thinking is like, well, we're so scared of thinking logically, right? And we put it in these these mindsets of like, oh, well, the knowledge, the tree of knowledge was bad. Actually, like, let's be really honest. Th- that wasn't God's plan B. I mean, and, I mean, right. I also, also like Genesis <laughs> to me is metaphorical. Like that part of the story yeah. is metaphorical anyway. But when you start realizing it's like, well, what did, what did the tree of knowledge do? Well, it made them like God. And then what does Jesus come and say, hey, you've been separated, but now I'm going to make you like me, who is God. So maybe like you, you get like you start looking at it and you're like, wow, maybe God wanted us to have free will. How are we supposed to have free will if we never exercise it? You never have free will unless you exercise. Free, like it all starts to kind of look of like maybe there's a bigger story here than what we're being taught. And even if you're right or wrong, does that really matter in the like, grand scheme of things? What do you do with the information that you have kind right. of thing? Right. And just to kind of like play into this a little bit, I'll, I'll use something that happened to us very recently. Uh, yesterday, we're on TikTok. We do a lot on TikTok, right? And uh, we get a little, um, let's just put Fringy. it this way. Most Christians wouldn't like us on TikTok, no. and that's okay. Most Christians probably wouldn't like our show either. But yeah, yeah hey, let's let's just be honest. Like, uh, and so we're on TikTok and there's this audio that drops like, you know, like what we would deem as a cuss word that we're using. And this young girl, and I, I feel really bad and I'm not going to like call her out by her username or anything like that. But like she gets on there. She's just like, you have no idea what you're doing. You're naughty Christian. How dare you use like the name of God to promote your videos mm-hmm. when you're using a cuss word? And I'm like, okay, I understand you're upset, but like, let's think through this a little bit. And I'm like, I'm not even trying to tell her to go cuss. Like if, if she has a conviction, if her parents tell but her not to like cuss. it was just like a lyric like, from a song that we didn't have actually even say. Well, like, and we're using it jokingly. That's the whole well, point. It's it, tongue in cheek. Well, okay. I'm just going to say what the video was. So okay. it's the verse where it's like, um, John the Baptist is like, is being be- beheaded. And so there's, there's this lyric and it's like, okay, I'm going to say it. It's like, I cut that bitch head off or whatever. And so we're like acting this out. And so his head's like on this platter. It, it's stupid. It, that's what TikTok is. It's stupid, but yeah. it like gets people's attention. And so um, she was, uh, she was commenting on there and basically saying like this was hurting our witness. Yeah, basically saying we're not yeah. Christians because yeah, of because this. Because we had a cuss word in a video. And that is, yeah. Well, and then I was like, so the conversation, of course, this is a child. Like, I don't know how old she is, probably 14 or 15. And so like, I'm trying not to like belittle her in this or anything, but I'm like, hey, like curse words are in the mentality. Like to say the word bitch isn't a cuss word unless you're using it derogatively. The same right. thing could be said about going, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Like, how many times have I used someone, that right. phrase has been used as a cuss word at someone, right? Like, you're cursing, like, oh, yeah. any prayer. Like, yeah. and it's just, it's this mindset. And it's like, I was like, see, this is it. We're taught these laws, but we're never taught. And that goes back to what you were saying last week, Elaine. That's like, hey, spiritual law, or, you know, you have law, and that may be the milk, but love is the meat. And yeah. I would love to just kind of, kind of, like, get into that. Like, what is this? How do we start getting out of this mentality and, and, and into an actual freedom of thought? How do we start exploring those thoughts? How do we notice when we, we start having those? How do we beat those convictions? There's so much there that I feel like people feel like scared or 
And even people that listen to this show regularly, like we talk about asking questions and everything, but how do we do that? Yeah, I, I think for everyone, it's probably a little bit different. See, I was always a thinker before I got saved. I got saved and I stopped thinking because, again, the programming is you don't ask questions. You don't think. You use your faith. Faith is blind. Faith is just whatever someone tells you and you just believe it. So, you know, faith is there was a talking serpent wrapped around a tree that enticed Eve to eat of this fruit. And you say, I believe that. Although chances are you'll never see this ever happen in real life. You'll never see a donkey talk more than likely in real life. You, you'll, Trek, you'll never see a donkey voice. You'll, you'll, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, a creative animation. You'll, you'll never see any of these things probably happen in natural life. You'll probably never be standing in front of an almost 10-foot man with a sword and, a, and you, got a, you, you have a slingshot. But since we've taught not to ask questions and to take these things literally, we frame them that way that you just have to believe. But see, the problem with that is if I just blindly believe something just because someone said it or I read it in a literal sense, that's going to immediately cut off my ability to think. So, you know, for me, what I needed to do, I needed to start to, to shut down from everything I had been taught. Because when, when, when God told me, son, you have no idea how big my grace is. And as it's, it would start like this, like, for example, I'm, I'm in bed one night and I'm asleep and I wake up maybe four o'clock in the morning and I hear, as soon as I open my eyes, hey, son, how did the anointing come? Now, I'm Pentecostal, you know, I'm holiness, you understand. We know something about the anointing, you see. Mm -hmm. yeah, I grew up AG, so I relate, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm like, well, you know, you got to pray, you got to fast, you got to seek your face, you got to live holy and, you know, all that whole stuff. And I thought I had given the, the answer of all the answers, the best answer ever. So I went back to sleep. I woke up again about an hour later. Immediately, I hear the same question. Son, how does the anointing come? Ah, like I said, uh, you know, I'm going to preach to God and preach. You got to do <laughs> this. To God, right? you, gotta, you know, you know, I'm doing all that now because I'm thinking, uh -huh. okay, I didn't impress him the first time. Let me get mm -hmm. my preach on uh -huh. and I'll yeah. impress them really good. You had some sleep on it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got this thing right. So I'm, I, I lay back down. I'm thinking, okay, I, I hit the home run. God is up there saying, yeah, boy, you know, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I go back to sleep and maybe about an hour and a half later this time I wake up and I hear the exact same question again. Now, now, now I'm a little pissed off, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, dude, what the, you, you can't hear like, what's the problem? <laughs> I already answered the question twice. You know, that's how I'm feeling on the inside. So I say sarcastically, like I am, well, I don't know. I try. You tell me then. Like, you, you, you got all the answers. Why don't you tell me? And he said, pick up your Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. All right. Because, you know, Pentecostal pastors, we sleep with our Bible right next yeah. to us. You understand? Know <laughs> <laughs> so I picked up my Bible and <laughs> Matthew chapter 10. And there's this story I've read countless of times, I'm sure, before, probably preached on them before. There's a story. It said Jesus is with his boy. They just hang it. And Jesus says, hey, y'all come here. So they come and he says, hey, I've just given you this anointing. Now go out here and do this stuff. And it names all 12 of them. And it says, and Judas also. Now, when I read that, that was the first thing that jumped out. You anointed Judas also? And you knew that Joker was going to betray you? Like, I'm like mind blown right now. And then the next thought hits me. Wait a minute. This would make sense to my programming if they had just come out of an all night prayer 
or they had just come out of a revival, or they had just come out of some, you know, explosive move of God, and they came out full of the anointing. You know, they had just fasted, or they had just prayed, or they had just done something. As far as I can read into the story, they're just kicking it. They're just chilling. And Jesus is like, hey, come here, take this anointing. And then when you read a little further down, this was the icing on the cake. Jesus says to them, freely you have received, freely you give. And that's when the question hit me for the fourth time. Son, how does the anointing come? Now, I had just read it. Freely you have received. Now, inside, everything inside of me was in chaos. It was in turmoil because what I'm hearing now, what is apparent truth to me, it is as true as anything I've ever known. It is conflicting with every bit of everything I'd ever been taught about how to get the anointing. And I had a decision to make. Am I going to hold on to this? Or am I going to acknowledge this moment, this where my eyes were just opened up to this freely you have received? And it was at that moment I knew that I need to start thinking again. And from that moment on, it's been a think fest. That's all I do is think. <laughs> well, thinking is good, obviously. Thinking is good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you were kind of talking about this parallel here. And I think this is interesting because depending on what denomination you grow up in, uh, you know, hearing from God is either like the norm and like everything is hearing from God or uh, hearing from God is like non-existent. God doesn't speak like that. If you want to hear from God, open the Bible. So where is like, uh, we obviously know the Bible can be used however you decide to. It is a book full of parabolic stories, old interpretations that we just legitimately do not even understand the context of anymore. And even if we could understand the context of we probably wouldn't take the time to figure it out and like there's just you can take it and swing it any way you want it and slice it however you want also there's this whole idea that like oh if you know when god starts talking like is it really god or is it the devil like does god allow which i know we've already established the devil and all this but like you know is that what is god like how do i know if that's if i'm actually hearing from god or not and so let's talk a little bit about that how can we use the bible to think but not in a negative way or a law-based, but in that grace mentality. How does that play? And then what is it like to hear from God in that as well? I feel like a lot of people get hung up. As a matter of fact, I feel like we were having a conversation in Nomads about that. I feel like I was having a conversation with that like this morning about like prayer of like not like feeling like it's a one-way street yeah. and all that. So I don't know. Let's just kind of tap into that a little bit. You know, it, it's again, this may vary for each different person, but for me, you know, I, I, I can't say I ever loved the Bible. I can't say I ever cherished it as something that, um, you know, I felt like, okay, I love these scriptures. I love this word. As, as a young boy growing up in a, in a holiness type home, you know, if we wanted to go outside and play, there were some days my mom would say, and nothing against my mom, I love her dearly, of course, respect her tremendously. She was only doing what she understood to be right. She would say, did you read your Bible yet? Have you been with the Lord yet? No, mom. Well, you go back upstairs and you get in a word first and you get with the Lord first, and then you go outside. So to a little boy, this is a chore. I got to do this to go outside. All right, let me get this chore done so I can go outside. Yeah. As a young minister growing, you know, being under an older seasoned man who built his life around prayer and the word you hear from him, you've got to get into this word. You've got to get into this word. You know, so he's connected his what we thought power, his anointing with 
how much he prayed and how much he fasted and how much he read the word. So as a young, impressionable minister, you think, all right, well, I, I got to get into this word so I can get what he had. So in both of these cases, the word was nothing more than a chore to me. It was something I had to do. So I never fell in love with the word. Now, there was a short period of time when I was in the word of faith in the early 2008-9 season where I started to appreciate the word, but only because I thought if I embrace this word, it'll transform my life and bring to me what the word says it has. So the word says he became rich, so he became poor, so I can become rich. If I wrap my faith around his becoming poor, then I'll get rich. So again, I, I was just using the word for, okay, what can you do for me? So um, as I started transitioning in this journey of you know understanding grace and then grace began to show me unconditional love and then unconditional love and grace began to show me our oneness with father and the more these things were happening the word the bible became a more distant type tool it was it, i was going to it less i was reading it less i was using it to teach less and less and less and when i i guess when i got Far enough away from it in a sense of you know how I looked at it, I was then able to go back into it. And the very first thing that hit me was Noah's Ark, the story of Noah's Ark. And by this time, I was able to go back and say, okay, what is this all about? So I read it. And after I read it, in the past, what I would do, I'd read it and then I would try to find a way to believe it word for word, because that's how I was trained. You read it and you need to believe it. You know, that's what you need to do. But this time when I read it, I said, I need to know why this doesn't make any sense. Because unconditional love has shown me a much different image of itself. Grace has shown me a much different image of itself. And then of course I'm thinking, right? So I'm thinking, this makes no sense. God, you knew Jesus was coming one day. You also don't have any reference of time, meaning time doesn't mean anything to you. You say you're long-suffering and full of patience. Do you mean to tell me you just couldn't wait a few years for Jesus to come and solve the issue you had with mankind? You just couldn't wait? You had to kill the whole earth? That doesn't sound like that makes any sense to me, you know? So, you know, when I read the story again and I, I'm looking at it now like this makes no sense, that's when I heard. Perhaps I was just a weatherman in the story. Perhaps I was just letting no one know what was coming because I know what's coming. And I was getting him to prepare himself and, and probably other people too, but you know, we read the story the way we read it. But, um, and that was the first time it, it gave me a different insight. So I think for everyone, again, the journey's different. Some people perhaps can read the Bible and hear it speak to them in a way, but I wonder if that way is just more so of a way to help you believe what's there, even though you probably should be questioning some of the stuff you're reading that's there. Yeah, that's really good. So how do we extend that grace to other people whenever they start thinking for themselves and our beliefs and thoughts are different? How do, how do we um, commune with people who think differently than we do? Yeah, that, and see that again, that's, a, that's another journey, right? I've come to a place to understand that this is a journey, not only for me, but for everyone. So I need to respect, of course, and appreciate my journey. I appreciate where I am and I appreciate how I'm getting here. But I also need to understand that you're on a journey, Elaine. You're on a journey, Cody. Every single person is on their own journey. And I don't believe that we were ever supposed to be all together at certain points of the journey. Now, 
we'll probably end up at the same destination to some extent, I'm sure, but we weren't supposed to all be here. We're all supposed to believe the Bible is 100% true. I mean, we all got to get to here. We're all supposed to believe that Jesus died for our sins. We all got to get here. I don't believe we're ever supposed to all be collectively on the same point in the journey at one time. So we have to let people have their journey. And so over the years, I've learned how to do that in a way that keeps me at peace, but also presents the love that I want to share with people. I'll say stuff like, hey, and this is true, I fully respect you and I honor your opinion and your views. I just see them totally different. I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong or or anything. I'm just saying I see it differently. I, I want people to be okay where they are because I can't. Someone asked me the other day, they said, can you talk to this person because they believe you've got to go to church? And my first initial response to them was, one, one will only see what one will see when they're ready. But then when one is ready to see, one will see a whole lot more than they were ready for. Yes. <laughs> That's good. And people, and, and I don't like to make like divisions amongst us, right? So I don't want to say people that are more awake or people that are more awakened or people that know God better. I, I don't like divisive titles and groups. But, you know, I guess for lack of a better word, I'll say for, for maybe for those of us who, at least in our conscious awareness, believe that we are more awake perhaps to to something well let's not lord over people or try to lord over people who we think are not there let's extend to them the grace and the love that's been extended to us by father to walk out their journey and if they see it one day that's great if they don't that's really great too because i'm not responsible for what they need to see and no one is responsible for what i need to see so that's how I try to go about it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it just kind of plays to the whole thing of like different people. I mean, you think about different bodies, different metabolisms, like talking like literal biological, we all have certain dietary needs. We all have certain things. Some person may be deficient in this. Some person may, you know, have an excess of that. And you take that to the spiritual. There are people that probably need that rigid, you know, they may have come from a background where they need something a little more rigid. They need something a little more structured versus someone like me who like crumples under that and just folds and like decays inward, you know, and like sooner or later just pops. And so like there's different walks, there's different journeys, but ultimately all of those journeys inevitably are under God's control, Mm -hmm. right? Like every person is receiving from God what they need specifically. Yeah, It's kind of the whole thing of like, why would your, you know, whenever you ask for a loaf of bread, why would you receive a snake, right? That person is receiving from God what they might need. Now, they may have divisive, there may be other things influencing that, but ultimately, we're never going to show them. It's, you're never going to show someone anything. It's just like politics, right? You can get online and you can argue politics till you have no breath left in your lungs or no fingertips left on your fingers, I guess. And <laughs> you're never going to change anyone's mind. You're never going like, you know, you'll wear your hands down to nubs and it's not going to yeah. do a thing. And it's the same thing with religion. The best thing you can do is just say, hey, let me try to understand your perspective mm-hmm. yeah. so we can come together on the common ground, the middle ground, which is Christ, mm-hmm. in, my, yeah. in my opinion, is Christ. Yeah. 
So let me ask you this as we kind of like wrap it all together here, which we're going to have to take this conversation back up again, just saying like, because I already, (laughs) I already have a million other things, but for sake of time, I have one more question that I want to let you ask a question. So how, uh, I guess, what's a, a quick way we can take, or not quick, there's nothing about this is quick, but what's a quick (laughs) explanation for how we can take, we talked about how to apply thinking to the word. How do we apply thinking to prayer? Because that's something Elaine and I are about to really start focusing on here for the next few weeks is prayer. Yeah. I'm going to be totally open. What what we like to call, I'm going to be totally honest right now. Not to say I haven't been honest before, but (laughs) I'm totally honest with you right now. (laughs) Um, I really... And sincerely and passionately and, you know, humbly believe that we really need to take a look at what, we, what we're saying in the body of Christ or in church, right? For example, we'll say, well, if you pray and you believe in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen. Well, it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen a lot. And I don't know why we're too afraid to say, that doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. I've done it. You've done it. I've done it countless of times. I, I've done it so many times where I've, I've probably lost count. And every time it doesn't happen, then you start fishing within your logic of where you did something wrong. You didn't have enough faith. You didn't believe. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't his timing. Well, what timing does love really need to make something happen for someone who love says they will take care of? Like Cody, I'm sure if, if, if Elaine said, honey, I, I need you to come help me with this, you're not going to say, um, get your faith right. And when you're ready, <laughs> when I feel your faith yeah. is strong enough to believe I'll come over there to help you, I mm-hmm. will. Yeah. You, you do that you know, enough times, Cody, and you're probably going to get divorced. You're yeah. probably going to get divorced. Because, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's probably what's going to happen. You know. And we need to divorce ourselves from the rhetoric that we've heard. You know, prayer changes things. It doesn't. Um, just believe. It'll happen. It won't. So to me, the reason why I'm saying it this way is until we're, really, until we're really ready to acknowledge that the way we've done it doesn't work, we won't be willing to take a look at it to find out what, what does work. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We've got to stop for a second. We just got off into a whole other section with this conversation on prayer, and it was absolutely gold. But we're going to have to make you wait a few weeks to hear it. This entire next few weeks, Elaine and I are going to be talking about prayer, what prayer is, how to do it, and what it looks like for each individual person. And honestly, we went on for a whole other 40 to 50 minutes chatting about prayer. So that's going to be tacked on at the end. So you got to wait for three more episodes. So be sure to click that subscribe button now if you haven't done so already so you can hear part two of our conversation with Kyle. Uh, we didn't, we kind of, since we had to cut this, he didn't get to say all his social leaks and everything. So those are all in the show notes. Be sure to go down there, find Kyle, give him a follow. He's completely one of the most inspirational people, uh, on social media and he will definitely get you thinking. So if you believe thinking is good, he is a guy I cannot recommend enough to go and follow. So head down there, give us a follow, find him, be sure to screenshot this episode, share it along with a friend and tag us so we can give you a shout out. And as always, just another quick reminder to go down there and join Nomads. Kyle, thank you so much for part one of this and we'll save all of the official outro stuff for part two. So 
We'll catch you then. And as always, be brave. Be bold. And be reckless. We'll, we'll talk, talk soon. soon.